Guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. So yesterday we heard the tragic sad news of the passing of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth uh, in the UK and it really affected uh, people around the world. Um, a monarch and someone who's ruled for so long was a true leader and what I personally found really inspiring uh, was that she was working uh, two days before she was uh, greeting the new Prime Minister of the UK uh, at that age at 96. and. You know, it's, I, you know, when we look up to different leaderships and different figures that offer stability and guidance, um, you know, we can take things from different people in different ways. And what I really took from that was uh, what Smashy really stands for is that sort of driven dreamers, doers, and that sort of mentality of, uh, you know, doing a vocation every day and being persistent and really working um, uh, and being dedicated to what you're doing. And that's the, the life that she led. led. Uh, so we did discuss that topic at the start of this podcast with Michael, who is also a very uh, uh, entrepreneur who per perseveres a lot. And he's got an incredible story and a really interesting startup uh, that's getting traction in the market that I'm sure you'll be hearing a lot more about. Uh, so enjoy the conversation. Welcome back to another episode of Dubai Works Business Podcast. This week we have a brilliant entrepreneur based out of Dubai, Michael Askew, the co-founder and CEO at Ask Who. Similar surname to the name of the company, we'll ask him about that. Uh, we'll be talking all about uh, the idea behind Ask Who. They're a UAE-based mobile app that brings like-minded people together through community events and activities talking about their competition, the marketplace, what's it like doing a startup like this in Dubai, and what's ahead. Good morning, Michael. Good morning. Thanks for coming on. Very welcome. Uh, yeah, so you, you just mentioned that you're back from the UK, and yeah. we were just talking, like, obviously, uh, the Queen, Her Majesty, Queen Elizabeth, uh, passed yesterday. So, uh, you know, that's quite a kind of um, a global story. Uh, does that impact you or affect you in any way? Yeah, sure. I think we all had the Queen in, in our hearts. I think it's a huge loss for not only the country, but for the world. Uh, she was a big inspiration to everyone. She dedicated her whole life to her job mm. uh, and her country, and it's a, it's a great loss. Mm. Yeah, it's sad. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I thought we'd mention that as well because, you know, it, when when we're, you're trying to create companies and things like that, it is good to have role models and leaders and things like that Absolutely. to look up to. But it does, it does impact and put things in perspective as well, um, what we're doing on a daily basis. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so let's move on. Let's talk about Ask Who. So when did you come up with the idea? How did it start? Yeah, so um, I moved to Saudi Arabia at the age of 22 um, to start a job role there of project management in construction, believe it or not. Uh, that's my background. Um, and I found it super hard to connect with like-minded people. Uh, I lived on a compound surrounded by high walls and barbed wire. Uh, back then, it was a very different place to live than what it has evolved in today. Um, so I came up with an app idea of connecting like-minded people, uh, discussed it with my co-founder, who was my line manager in Saudi Arabia, Matthew Gaziano, 
Um, but for multiple reasons of we didn't have the knowledge, the capital, the time to bring it to life, it just got put to a side. Uh, I stayed in Saudi for like four years, uh, continuously struggled to meet like-minded people, uh, moved over to Dubai, and then I found myself surrounded by like-minded people. But I feel that the way that we socialize these days has, has drifted. Mm. Uh, I believe that we've never been so connected, but yet so disconnected as a society. Um, and we sort of wanted to come into the market and bridge that gap between online and offline, uh, starting with cities. So it's intimate, so people can come out of their homes, share, learn, get together and, and do more in real life. And that's mm. a sort of value proposition the will for our users. So when you had this idea, did you set out to set up a startup? Did you say, were you, did you know what you were going into? Does <laughs> <laughs> the God's honest truth? No, no mm. I, did, I didn't know the, the depths, the layers, the analytics, the fundraising strategies, but I learned them. Um, I sort of uh, quit my job um, in 2019, uh, and my CEO at the time said, you know, this is a, a big, bold decision, especially when I showed him all of my research and my business plans. And he said, well, where on earth have you had the time to do this? And I said, well, I've been flying to India Thursday nights, leaving my project, uh, flying over to India, sitting with a development team and sort of putting my vision into wireframe designs, uh, meeting customers and, and seeing how they feel about the products. So, you know, you, you learn as you go. I think that's probably the best way to step into entrepreneurship. Although I have read pretty much most of the books on the market now, uh, you name it, me and my partner, we, <laughs> we've digested it. Um, you just learn as you go, Richard. Mm. Yeah. And, but so, exactly. So, we started in 2019 and it was called Ask Who Then? It was. And what was the pitch deck? Did you say this is a, a way to connect and meet people? Uh, bringing the sort of digital world into the real world. Yeah, I, I mean, the first concept um, was, if you think about the concept of Bumble, Tinder and Hinge, I see you, you see me. If we like what we see, we connect. So I built that with a mentality for friendships. So you could go out and play tennis, basketball, and that was the value proposition. So it was a one-on-one -on -one type product. Um, needless to say, we went to market with it. It wasn't interpreted by the consumers as that. They were actually using it like it was a Bumble, Tinder and Hinge. And they were swiping a, left, swiping right. Yeah, and that's a very crowded market. So, um, I mean, the three pillars to, to business success is key customer acquisition, retention and monetization. All of those three pillars we couldn't achieve. Therefore, you could say it failed. But through the mist of failure, I kept meeting customers relentlessly through coffee shops, shopping malls, gyms, and asking people, you know, where's your pain points? Um, and the famous sentence that one guy said to me, he said, you know, my one-on-one -on -one is really tough. And if you listen to customers and you articulate their feedback um, in the right way, they'll always give you the answers. So I went away with that famous sentence, which is printed off and, and above my desk. And then we looked at groups because groups changed the dynamic of how we socialize. One-on-one -on -one is tough. Um, it's just me and you in the room now, right? But mm. four more other people will come in here, the whole room changes. Mm. So we then pivoted 
in 2021 into groups. Um, I've done a lot of research. Uh, Matt, especially my business partner, is heavily involved in sort of R&D, and we like to validate everything before we launch into it. So we've done a lot of R&D on groups. I looked at Facebook, and I was astonished to find out that 1.8 billion people was using them for groups out of 2.2 billion people on the network. Mm. So my brain then automatically tells me, right, there's demand. Mm. But that's a 14-year-old product at the time. So are people happy in these groups? So I run around, again, Dubai, meeting people from Brits in Dubai, Italians in Dubai, triathlons in Dubai, and I sat down with them, listened to their pain points. I then took my focus on to meet up and saw that that product's a great product, um, but it is a transactional marketplace. There's no real social element to it. There's an event going on, you click on it, you turn up, whoever's there is there on a day and and you either enjoy it or you don't. Hmm. So I thought it lacked a social element. Uh, I then looked at Instagram and I mean, look, we we all know Instagram these days is a platform where you can uh, elaborate your life um, from fact to factual. Mm. Uh, People on Instagram these days um, tend to be not who they generally are in real life. Mm. It's sort of their best lives. Um, And then, you know, we pivoted into a group space. I made some wireframes, sat down with some customers um, and showed a new cohort of customers these this new concept and everyone around the room's eyebrows lit up and they said wow now you're onto something Mm -hmm. now people like it but that's just the start of the journey can you retain them can you launch the product where are you going to build it where's your developers where's your marketing team what's the strategy so there's a whole load of layers of prerequisites before you can just launch into a technology business but you can say that we failed we failed fast we pivoted and now we're heading into some some sort of areas of success. You let's see say. some numbers, but so yeah. just stop you kind of there. So there's basically, if I get this right, there's a two year period of where you're in Dubai, you don't have a job, Correct. and you've done this, yeah. and you didn't go back to a job. You decided to sort of really knuckle down, yeah. pivot, and stick with this. Yeah. What gave you the kind of drive to do that? And um, yeah, and and you you kind of kept the same name, came set brands, kept the same co-founder. You just sort of product tweaked it but you kept going yeah we we kept going we we would very much determine that there is a huge problem to solve in today's society with local connectivity okay Uh, that that was our core that that there is a problem it's just that our solution wasn't structured right but you hadn't you had you know what was your current situation there had you a big office had you raised a lot of money had you hired a lot of a team (laughs) no so uh we had, uh, when, when we launched our first concept, my partner and I put a considerable amount of our savings into the business um, and with family and friends as well. Uh, I had paid my two-bedroom apartment off for a year, which had a nine-month left lease. Uh, we never had an office. We worked from our spare bedroom for three years. I only wow. moved into an office sort of six months ago with DTEC Ventures in Silicon Oasis. Amazing. Uh, since we've raised uh, more capital, et cetera. But no, it, it, we've, we've built this from a spare bedroom with two laptops into a multi-million dollar technology business. Wow, mashallah, amazing. Yeah. So three years in a bedroom, like that's a real startup story, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's as real as it gets. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you know, getting back to the point, so you, you really did like typical startup, you're, you're bootstrapping it, you're struggling. Uh, you're not really sure about raising, making money and things like that. So what was the, as well as sort of these wireframes and this sort of pivoting to the groups, 
you know, obviously you still need funds and you still need, as you said, the retention and acquisition. Uh, when did you start seeing that? Yeah, so I mean, in regards to raising funds, look, I mean, unfortunately, uh, me and Matt haven't come from a, a wealthy family, so there was no one really to to rely on for more than sort of 5,000 bucks and stuff like that. It's, it's no significant money. So I thought, you know, where can I raise capital from on this new concept and who's going to actually back this? Mm. Um, and I went to pretty much every gym in Dubai, uh, golf courses, um, fancy car showrooms on Shakeside Road, pitching. I, I must have pitched to over 500 people. Um, and then I... I closed my seed investment round with uh, an investor that I actually knew very well. Uh, he funded me in March 2021 based on a concept um, that was spread over numerous of tranches based on KPIs um, to de-risk him. And obviously, I didn't want to just take someone's cash unless there was traction on the product. Mm. Um, but obviously, we'd done enough R&D. The users were saying this is very, very interesting. So we just had to go forward with it. Um, so, yeah, so you were in a position then. So after two years, you taught yourself what is venture capital. You, you kind of decided that this obviously needs capital, like social yeah. network, it needs servers, it needs marketing, it needs people, it yeah. needs everything. So uh, you knew, you, you learned that much, you believed in it, and you went down the route, you put your pitch deck together, you hustled, you went to yeah. door to door, yeah. hundreds of people, and you found someone. And so you structured the business in the way that it was going to be a kind of a seed round and you were going down the venture route yeah i mean when when we raised that funding we didn't even have a business structured we was we were still in a very much a spare bedroom mm. uh, and then we looked at like how do you structure businesses and obviously me and matt uh you know we're quite savvy in regards to business i mean my, my past job i used to build complex shopping malls mm. uh, very big projects thousands of people huge amounts of money um, and lots of problems to solve in between the myths. So yeah. we structured our business uh, in ADGM, Abu Dhabi Global Markets, which is under UK common law uh, for a holding company. And then we made our subsidiary uh, business uh, in Vujera, just because it was cheap at the time to sort of structure the business there. That then enabled our first investor to come into our holding company, um, which was sort of like a big milestone for us, obviously. Yeah, um, but from there onwards, then we had to find uh, the relevant resources to two pillars to this business. One is product, one is marketing. Then there's us guys in the middle. So we've done a lot of uh, research on Clutch.com, which sort of aggregates the world's best software developers. Um, found a team and engaged a team that built the initial product for Clubhouse, mm. developer-wise. So awesome team, only specialised in social media. We like people in our business that are people that are niche and focused, not a jack of all trades. So we found the right team from a development perspective. And then I found a marketing team in London that does all of my digital uh, strategy, performance, customer acquisition and all that sort of stuff. Wow. Okay. So, you kind of, so you've outsourced uh, the development and the marketing. Uh, yeah. And then your core team in Dubai now is what? Yeah. So, I mean, look. Obviously, I know that you've got to address your weaknesses with strengths. So I know that I didn't know all of the pillars, safe to say, for marketing or for tech. So I thought to myself, right, how can I get specific resources to sit on top of these packages and ensure that they're doing what they should be doing and the prices that I'm getting 
are correct because yeah. with development, everything's estimations in terms of sprints. So they break, they, you get an idea, you validate an idea, you, you make some wireframes and then you build in new features. So I engaged uh, a CTO's ex Microsoft called Marjan to sit on top of the tech team to ensure that the estimates were correct, the tech stack was correct, the specifications were being built accordingly and could deliver, that when we get concurrent users, the product can scale up. So he oversaw that, and then we had obviously a master program from product um, and marketing. Then I was looking in the market uh, globally for a CMO, um, someone that can be vested with the business that can oversee marketing because obviously these are two critical pillars for the business. So I found a guy called Simon Bauer. Uh, he exited Kareem when it was acquired by Uber. Super smart guy. Um, comes a completely different spontaneous angle like most marketing entrepreneurs do. They're very quirky, very different. Um, and so I met Simon, had a coffee with him, presented the business. He saw the failure. He could see the scars. And he thought, right, these guys are determined. Mm. Their research indicates that they're, they're resegmenting a pretty big problem. Um, and it seems like they've got the solutions. We vested Simon in March 2021 um, and we vested Marjan. So they sort of oversee those two different departments. And then since we've evolved, we've now got uh, four employees in the business, uh, a community managers. Mm. Uh, we're averaging now about 300 posts a day going through Ask Who. So moderation is, is at the heart because the app is the heart of the business. So ensuring that customers are getting that fantastic experience, getting content served to them that's highly relevant, getting events offered to them that they see value in mm. is a, a number one priority for us. So, and then we all... Um, employed a lady called Sabrina. Sabrina does all the partnership and events. So she partners with brands across the UAE. We drive customers to the forefront of their business for our users to have a, a better time together and, and really build that inner community. Mm. Listening to you, it sounds like you've structured the, the sort of ADGM thing quite well and you've given uh, you know, equity to key people and you were yeah. brave enough to hire senior people and kind of, and convincing enough. And yeah. you mentioned determines and, you know, I can kind of sense that as well. And that's kind of convincing in a way to be able to bring on, uh, senior people. But then, as you said, you didn't lose sight of the, not just the tech product, but the content product. What, what is the content in it? And you put the right people in place around that. Yeah, sure. I mean, for, for us, getting granular and focused on the specific areas of the business, which we see great value into the consumer, is the biggest uh, part of the business. You can have the best marketing team in the world. You can have the best development team in the world. But if you're not solving a problem for your end consumer and you're a nice to have, you need big budgets and uh, time will tell if you'll survive. So you know, we solve that problem of connecting like-minded people, make new friends, do more together in real life and get out of your houses. Mm. We've also noticed obviously since COVID, people have been more suppressed now to uh, be detached from work colleagues and human interaction, but people need this endorphin. Mm. They don't need likes in digital spaces. You need to socialize with people. And sure, if you're married and you've got three kids and a dog, your pull to meet new people and make new friends isn't as high as someone who's new to the country. Yeah. However, we're seeing a huge surge of people now that have been in the city for two, three, ten years, and their their friends leave. Mm. So you start over again. And let's face it, everyone, the majority of people here are away from their homelands. Mm. 
you know, like mums and dads are not here. Like when I was in London, I popped my mums for a cup of tea and, <laughs> and you feel that warmth, you know. Yeah, yeah. Where, where do you get that here? Surrounded by glass buildings and facades and mm. we're just building that community hub for people to belong to and depend on. Interesting. Fair. Um, before we kind of move on to the sort of industry as well and talk a little bit more about the product, uh, it's interesting your kind of background in project management and construction because how you described, I don't know if you did that intentionally, but how you described the um, CTO is almost like how you would hire a QS person Correct. to make sure <laughs> yeah. the, the spend and the budgets for the supplies are right. Like yeah. that's an interesting kind of way of approaching a startup. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people in the construction industry, or a lot of outsiders out of the construction industry think that project managers and cost controls sort of just stand there and tell people how to paint walls. But it's actually very complex. Yeah. I mean, think of building the Burj Khalifa. Like it's very complex processes with a lot of methodology and strategy and roadmaps and problems and estimation. So how I sort of analogize any business is the military, hmm. like the ranks, the tiers, the job roles. Whether you're a coffee maker, a gun shiner, or a shoe polisher, you've got a specific role. There's a time frame, there's a cost, there's, there's problems that occur. So for me to shift from construction methodology to technology uh, methodology, there wasn't that much of shift. It was just your substance has changed. Mm. Instead of glass and bricks, you've now got codes and, and a much smaller team. So, you know, for, for me, it wasn't too challenging, but you have got to get ahead of the curve and learn all of the abbreviations. And then the other big one is fundraising. Uh, cash is king. So as, as a CEO of the business, you need to be out there consistently building relationships, showing people the value, the opportunity, the market size, and how you intend to obtain some of it mm. uh, and to, to pivot into that sort of go-to product for people when they step off planes to open and discover the city and everyone in it. And what's the business model? So we have three revenue streams. Um, I'll start with uh, in-app purchases. So in-app purchases, we, we went to market in October 2021, um, and within two months, we implemented a revenue stream. Why? Because I knew that, that you, you have to monetize these platforms. Like I haven't exited a big social business before where people are going to sit down in front of me and go, right, this, this kid's going to do it. You know, So I, I had to demonstrate to investors that we could make money. So when we were looking at monetizing the platform from an in-app purchase perspective, which is SaaS, service as a subscription, which is like if you're talking to any VCs or sophisticated investors, that's the revenue that they want to see. Advertisements and events is not, is, is not much of a turn on. You want your SaaS uh, subscriptions to be rising with your monthly active users, your MAUs. So we looked at Bumble, Tinder, and Hinge, and most dating apps, and looked at the services that they offer. Um, and I looked at their conversion rates, and it was like eight to twelve percent at critical mass. And I thought, well, eight to twelve percent, and they sort of turned those taps on, like Bumble monetized in year four, Tinder monetized in year three. And I thought, we haven't got the luxury of waiting till year three, year four, because we need to raise funding. So then I looked over at uh, LinkedIn. Uh, owned by Mr. Bill Gates, and I was astonished that the conversion rate on that platform was about 35% at the time when I was doing my research. So I thought, wow, that's a huge discrepancy from these other platforms. What's he doing different? Uh, I looked at the scope, and it was to unlock additional connection requests and see who's viewed your profile. 
So I took that data, I sat down with a new cohort of uh, potential customers. I said, how do you feel about these features? Some people in the room said they'll pay. Then you look at the persona of the, who these people are. You look at their backgrounds and you try and find out, right, is this my primary target audience segment? How many of these specific people are on my platform? And it proved that it was the majority. Interesting people, generally introverted, typically single, that want to do more together and they've got a bigger pull to go out and meet new people. So I looked at these two features. So first of all, I had a thumbs up that some people would pay. Then I thought, great. Okay, so how much would they pay? Started at $100. No way. $50? Mm, no. $25? And I whittled it down to $6.81, <laughs> where, where the majority of people were saying, you know, I'll pay, yeah. which is $24.99 Durham's. Okay. Um, so I built that in the, in the product in uh, December. Uh, just before crossing over into 2022. And that was um, monetary feature number one. Today, we're converting 7% of our monthly active users who see the feature in our app. Um, we're also releasing literally today a new set of SaaS features, which are validated with customers. And I'm very much looking forward to releasing that to the market. Um, monetary feature number two is advertisements. Advertisements, everyone seems to think that advertisements is an easy game. It's not. It's a very competitive space. And like Facebook's advertisements, it's extremely cheap to acquire customers. So, and it requires a lot of logistics, meeting brands, demonstrating why they should advertise with you, what the benefits are and all that sort of stuff. So advertisements for us, we do it moderately and we only partner with brands that actually our customers see value in. We don't just post a pair of shoes or, or a coffee cup and say, come buy this. So it's advertisements for us is, is something that we're focused on at a much later stage in the business. And the third is events. So we partner with brands, we bring businesses to their brands, we take a, a monthly retainer for that, we provide payment links so the revenue goes through our business and we typically uh, put a 10% markup on that service. But again, filtering back to the start of this, um, the focus for any startup now should be on technology features that can scale um, because VCs wanna see unit economics, they wanna see break-even analysis and times have changed where it's just like, here, I'm going to cut you a check on an idea. Uh, you need to really get aligned with your KPIs and find those VCs that find your business interesting and mm. something that they feel, if I put a million dollars in today, can I take $10 million out in three years? Mm. That's pretty much what they want to know. <laughs> <laughs> How have you found dealing with them in the fundraising? Because you're raising another round now. Yep. And what valuation is that? Uh, so we're at $10 million uh, pre-money now. Um, and the current round that we've got live is through the Eureka campaign. Uh, look, there's a couple of reasons why I've done this Eureka campaign because I, I attend a lot of the meetups and events going on through Ask. I think it's very important for founders to say customer centric. Mm. I hear a lot of founders saying, you know, I, I try and meet two startups a month to get and gain advice and they show me some features and they say, we're building this. I say, okay, have you spoke to anyone about this? Have you spoke to any customers? Like, no, no, it's, but it will work because it worked on X, Y, and Z. Like, look, guys, you have to get out your office 70% on the streets, 30% back in, iterating. So, in regards to like um, VCs and funding rounds, it's, um, it's like I say, it is a challenging market. So, we opened up a, a crowdfunding round through Eureka 
And the strategy there was I had a lot of community members uh, come to me at events uh, and through the application saying, hey, Mike, I love this platform. I want to support you. I want to invest. Mm. But the investment amounts, the ticket sizes that they were offering was $1,000, $2,000, one guy at $25,000 and, and small ticket sizes. So I kept hearing the same thing. So I thought, right, let the community come on board and reek the rewards of our journey. Yes. So I opened it up to the community members. So far, we've raised 25% of the $250,000. It opened up uh, three weeks ago. Uh, it closes in December. So we've got a, a good, good three more months to sort of close the balance of the round, which I'm confident we do. Yeah. Uh, and so that's why we went down down the crowdfunding road. And and so that that's at the same time as doing a, a fundraise as well or you're still talking to vcs still talking to vcs i mean v vcs like anyone if if i meet a stranger on the street and say this is my business can you give me money it all comes down to have you got a scalable business model and does your unit economics work out what is the break-even time frame but the number one thing in my experience so far fundraising and pitching and believe me i've done a lot of it, it's uh, trust. If an investor trusts you, that's the pillar number one. After it, there's a negotiation. Whatever the terms are in the term sheet, whatever you actually agree in terms of are they getting a board seat, all the specifics that go into a term sheet as well, that can all be resolved. But the number one is do they trust you? So with VCs, you have to build relationships with people so they can get to know you as a person rather than just another startup pitching them. I mean, when I meet VCs now, I generally don't talk about uh, numbers. It's yeah. more just a chat and this is what I'm doing. I've got a runway until Q2 next year. Uh, we're comfortable. If it's okay with you, can I send you a monthly uh, newsletter, which gives you the projections month on month, quarter on quarter analysis, so you can see the progression in the business. And that's the sort of uh, angles that I'm taking now with VCs. Obviously, uh, we're on an economy downturn. Uh, it can't be overlooked. It's a fact. Sure, some startups aren't getting funded, but what I'm seeing across the board is they're typically uh, startups that have had pr a v previous VC funding. So essentially, the VCs topping up their existing startup based on performance. Yeah rather than investing and deploying capital into new businesses. Fair enough. Okay, so you, you kind of think there isn't that much liquidity around? I, I think times have got tighter, for yeah. sure. Interesting. So uh, just uh, talking two kind of questions on the industry. One is around social networks in general, uh, you know, twenty nearly 2023. So it's not quite 20 years, but we're coming up to that mark where social networks have been around for a while. There's obviously some tech giants and there's some that kind of came and went um, and they, you know, focus on different areas. Like there was a craze about 10 years ago where it was about location. Then there was different things about uh, specific interests like path or all these different ones. Uh, what do you think that uh, you mentioned Facebook groups. If a big social network adds a feature, can that kill a small one? And secondly, for a social network to break out, like we're seeing a little bit of a breakout this year. You know, there's IRL and Be Real. Like we're seeing sort of the, the teens and the Gen Z are kind of allowing another one to push through. Uh, do you think it's possible for what you're doing, obviously you do, but, <laughs> but, but do you think, uh, are you intimidated by the, 
big social networks adding features that people will just use rather than use ask who yeah i mean i mean look you can be no under under no illusion that social media is a very challenging space you you're not selling products you're juggling people psychologies emotions feelings um and you've got to do it in the very best way that you can uh, so it's a very challenging market space but the sector is valued today at sort of 250 billion dollars uh, it's a huge market size and what we've seen over the years as you've said is companies have come up and they've found a pain point in an existing product and they've been off been able to build a viable solution into their product Fair. to sort of resegment what's going on so like I've alleviated the pain points in Facebook groups meetup and Instagram and it, we didn't just wake up one night and it sort of worked we've worked hard with customers relentlessly with customers listening to their next critical pain point and sort of pushing that into our product and then obviously measuring the success like what was the KPI was it app opens activations engagements retention um so to answer your question i believe that any business sector in any space in today's world is competitive you have to solve a problem and you have to be able to monetize that problem lot mm. in long term obviously i monetized it after 2 months but ask who's retention today surpasses most billion dollar apps i mean irl's retention at 8 weeks is 1% ask who's is 24 on par with twitter and uh one vc says nice. me yeah it's uh ask who version 1's retention was 0.001 <laughs> so now we're up there with some of the biggest brands you get traction yeah the biggest brands in the world not just traction they're retaining yeah if i open a pizza restaurant and the customer doesn't come back what does that tell you one of three things they had bad food bad experience or the cost wasn't right we've asked who they come back every single day and a a nice percentage of them are paying in comparison with today's leading app 7% convincing yeah yeah so far so you know let, let's talk about dubai for a second you know a lot of the pain points that you solved does definitely and i would agree suit the sort of dubai dynamic of a resident here irrespective of age uh if you compare that with silicon valley if they kind of if they get something right in the bay area or whatever in san francisco then they can like facebook although they didn't necessarily start there but they can just go from university to university and they've got a market of 300 something million uh english speaking americans yeah you don't have that same here in this region there hasn't been uh, a breakout social media app in the arab world why not um i i i believe there has been a a a, a social media breakout app a few years ago i believe they went ipo sort of last year called yalla kind of yeah technically the chinese but yeah yeah chinese guys <laughs> but yeah so it, it it was it was a success story for the region but okay i mean there there's lots of people in these spaces from creating neighborhood apps and all that sort of stuff but what we've done is is we've just listened to people on the ground what they want out of a social app i mean let's face it today would you call instagram social i call it nonsense <laughs> period it, i open that app and and what what i see going on i don't believe it to be social and then i look at tiktok and that's even more wild mm. it's uh, people dancing in digital spaces the definition of social media in collins dictionary is to, for people to do more together in real life mm. 
somewhere along the way we've lost our way mm. with what a social right. app should be so what we promote is local people to come out and, and meet meet others but what it was so i guess how are you doing it differently what how do you view the market in terms of the challenges that are doing it from dubai versus doing it from the us or doing it from elsewhere uh, you know a lot of people on this podcast say that they either say I'm going to go regional or I think Dubai is a place to reach the world. I can be global from here. What's your view? Yeah, for sure. The intention is to be global from, from Dubai. And look, we started off in Dubai because we live in Dubai, but Dubai is arguably one of the most toughest cities to juggle community behavior. There's so many different types of people, backgrounds, religions, and beliefs all living in one city. And what they've built here is fantastic. But how people behave in terms of a community element, it's very different because we're all very different people and there's nothing wrong with that. So the intentions and strategy for us uh, as a business was this year to get product market fit in Dubai, um, where most customers are giving us a big thumbs up like this is this is awesome. Uh, we've already got high demand of people when they travel to say, look, I can't even come back to Dubai or why can't I use this app in London, in Singapore, in US? So there's that pull for the products already, which we're working on features to sort of overcome that friction and provide a solution for. But as you know, with a startup, it's about uh, demonstrating growth, uh, indicating your KPIs, achieving everything that you said you would, increasing the business valuation, raising more capital and repeating the process over and over again. Yeah. So that's sort of like the road that we're on. I was in London last week, uh, I'll show you some videos actually. I was I was walking around like I did here in Dubai sort of two years ago with a clipboard, just stopping random people. I just went back there to, to meet a few uh, potential investors and one VC. Uh, but whilst I had spare time, I was just walking around the streets of London with my clipboard, stopping people saying, can I ask you a few questions? What's your name? Where are you from? How do you find meeting new people in London? we got some very positive data that indicates mm. to us that 6 million expats living in London have also got a huge problem. Wow. And I'm sure if I got on a flight to New York and asked people on the ground there, I know the response that I get as well. Meeting new people these days is tough because the go-to products today are designed to connect you globally, not locally. And if you look at an app like Nextdoor, sure you can go on there and say that your neighbor's curtains are falling down or the cat's stuck in a tree, but <laughs> Do people see value in that at a younger age? Maybe an older age, there's a drive. Maybe people with kids and stuff like that, there may be that drive there. But our primary target audience, or the people that use our services are typically 30 years old. They see great value in what we offer. Um, and I personally don't see another product in today's market like ours. Mm, amazing. It really does, you know, it's reassuring listening to you because you don't wave on that conviction of you're solving a problem. And I think that that's really a strong trait to have to really believe in what you're trying to achieve because that can overcome pretty much any hurdle. Yeah, I, th I think it's due time that there was a, a product like this in today's society that's actually designed to be sociable. I mean, I, I've sat in my sister's uh, house when I was just back in the UK. My nephew's 16 years old and, and all he does is, is play on his uh, computer and, and his phone. And my mum says, you know, we used to go out on the streets with our skateboards and mingling with everyone else. Kids these days are just sitting indoors, morphing their life 
on TikTok and going to places and laying on Lamborghinis to get likes in digital spaces, <laughs> I just think there's a big problem. And there's a lot of people now, 130,000 people today, that agree with yeah. the concepts and think, yeah, it's time that, you know, those platforms are great. They'll always be there. Mm. But if you want something different, if you want to go out and connect with like-minded people with no social pressures, be yourself and, and our doors are open. Great, great. So just finally to finish up, so you, you finished this race at the end of this year. What's next? Are you going to launch new markets, languages, or new demographics like it was interesting you were talking there like can 16 year olds use the app and meet fellow 16 year olds etc yeah i think 16 year olds can use the app but my question is do 16 year olds see value in the app that's that's the turning point because you can't build things and force people to eat them you have to work with them and see look do kids these days have we lost our way completely that kids don't want to actually go out and do things these days because they're more comfortable to put filters on and sit in digital spaces? Mm. Sadly enough, I think the answer is the latter. Mm. They're, they're much more comfortable to sit on with a headset and, and sit in digital spaces than they are actually to get out. And uh, suicide is up, mental health is up, depression is up. It's all up. Why? Because people are are really feeling that loneliness and depression, some, by by these platforms and, and what they actually promote, feeding you with ads and bombarding you to stay indoors and, uh, and waste your life, whereas we're sort of the opposite. We want people to go out and have a good time. We don't care about screen time. We want people to get that friendship, get out, get that connection and, and really enjoy mm. your life. Um, in regards to fundraising and what's the future holding for Ask Who. Uh, we intend to close our Eureka crowdfunding campaign by the end of this year. Uh, we will allocate some of that budget to start testing a new market. What that market will be today, we haven't concluded yet. Um, whether it be London, Singapore. Singapore, was a, 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 I believe it would be a fantastic market for for our sort of product because people are away from their homelands. So there's a bigger drive to meet new people. Um, so that's the sort of strategy of crossing into new markets. In terms of fundraising, we intend to open our Series A funding round in Q2 next year. By then, we believe we'll be doing about forty thousand monthly, uh, forty thousand dollars in uh, reoccurring monthly, forty thousand dollars in monthly reoccurring yeah, revenue yeah. MRR, uh, which we believe is then uh, attractive to to venture capital businesses. Smart. Sounds like you really kind of you know the direction and the path that you're going on. Yeah, we try to. <laughs> we try to. I mean, I use a software called Clarity FM. It's a website which sort of aggregates the world's leading entrepreneurs. Like you can speak tomorrow to like one of the senior operations managers at Facebook and you pay per minute. So you can go on there and you can plug in anyone's name. And I get a lot of advice from senior people. You structure your agenda, you jump on the call, you say, these are my pain points, can I have your opinion? And you try and do that with two or three of the guys on the same agenda, listen to the feedback that they're giving you to make key business decisions because anyone that says they know it all in any industry, it's not right. You need to always listen and use people as sounding boards. That's good advice. Brilliant. Um, so yeah, just talk a little bit more about, you, you were in Saudi Arabia, you're in the region, um, you talked a little bit about uh, you alluded to the kind of the macroeconomic factors and things like that. What's your sort of outlook being in the region? How many years now? 
10. 10, yeah. yeah. What's your sort of outlook on the, on the region? And, the, you know, do, do you feel that, like this would be a place where you live in the future? And do you, are you optimistic about this as an emerging market? Yeah, I, I mean, I love Dubai. I'm loving Dubai, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I love Dubai. It's home. Um, Dubai offers for me something that you can't see in any other country across the world. And there's sort of two big pillars to that. There's the cultural and uh, consistent new concepts popping up everywhere. And obviously my background is project management design and all that sort of stuff. So it really excites me of all these new developments. The second one, which I think is a a big factor for everyone is safety. Dubai is a very safe place and when I travel I travel frequently to London you don't get the safety that you get in Dubai and for me that is one of the biggest value propositions of this city is that so many different communities are actually living together Mm. but yet we get on brilliant yeah and that's what that's what ask who is helping people (laughs) to get out even more correct brilliant thanks very much michael for talking to us this morning really pleasure listening and every time i'm exposed to ask who i can see the i can see so much promise in the company so best of luck thank you very much cheers thanks a lot cheers So I actually met with Michael uh, at the DTEC at a, an event in Dubai Silicon Oasis a few months ago, and I was just impressed with him and his co-founder and the passion that they have for a business. So I was really keen to bring him on. And uh, that, that came across in that interview. I think uh, they're very interesting with how they're approaching a very, very hard uh, product market fit space is social media networks and what they're trying to achieve, but um, they definitely seem to be going in the right direction. Uh, I'd like to thank our producer Shahir for putting the show together and Ali as well, uh, who's been uh, doing looking after the audio and the video today. Um, as you usual, you can watch uh, this on Smashy.tv. You do need to subscribe. Uh, it's available on iOS, Android and most smart TV apps. If you're listening on uh, whatever audio podcast app you get your podcast, please do like, subscribe and share. Uh, We'll be back next week uh, with another episode at 11 a.m. on Friday.